0: From an album called Twilly Don't Mind, a song called Looking for the Magic.
2: that same issue of Bomp, there's an article where Shaw discusses Dwight Twilley and the Ramones, and he he claims that, quote, these two acts have the greatest potential to become gigantic stars over the next two years. Of course, that never happened, the gigantic star bit for either band. The Ramones would release end of the century, and I think, I think, personally, they kind of made a mistake going that Phil Spector route with their music. And Dwight Twilley, the Dwight Twilley band had a big hit in '76 with "I'm on Fire," but they weren't they weren't able to to keep that momentum going. They had a a real pitfall when the record label shelved their next single, it was a song called "Shark," and at the time, Jaws was the biggest thing in the world, the movie, and the record label decided that. Shark would be considered a novelty song, trying to cash in on the success of Jaws, so they shelved it. And the, the, the Dwight Twilly band, which was made up of Dwight Twilly and Phil Seymour, you will hear more about Phil Seymour on future episodes, but that band, they released another great album in 77 called Twilly Don't Mind, but didn't get much attention for it, and then Phil Seymour and Dwight Twilley split up, and in 79... Right after this article that Shaw wrote, Twilly released a great album, just called Twilly. But wasn't it, he did not become a gigantic star because of it. Listening to rock and Door roll on B J, and that was actually a clip from the very first episode of the podcast. Came out all the way back in May of 2013, and that was me talking about Dwight Twilley and playing a Dwight Twilley song on the very first episode. And Dwight Twilley passed away a couple of days ago on October 18th. So I'd like to do a tribute episode for Dwight. I have a couple of CDs. Um, I have a CD called the Great Lost Thule Album and another one called Between the Cracks. And these are collections of non-album songs and outtakes. And I thought I could just read the write-up from the Between the Cracks CD. So this was released in, let's see if there's a year on here it must have been in the 90s uh not lame records put this out and yeah there's no year on here but um so i thought i you know i could i could have written something up but i thought i could just read the write up in the between the cracks cd booklet that uh, tells dwight's story the dwight toley band burst onto the national recording scene with the hit single called I'm on Fire in late spring of 1975, which landed them on American Bandstand. Few would have imagined that the group, all in their early 20s, had played together for nearly a decade and had already recorded well over a 100 songs. The Dwight Twilley band consisted of the duo of Dwight Twilley, who sang lead and harmony vocals, wrote all the songs, and played guitar and keyboards, and his partner Phil Seymour, who also sang lead and harmony vocals and played drums and bass. Tully and Seymour had met in Tulsa in the late 60s at an afternoon screening of A Hard Day's Night and had immediately started recording songs together, playing all the instruments themselves. By the early 70s, they worked under the moniker Oyster, as in two halves equal a whole. With the addition of Bill Pitcock IV on lead guitar, the duo acquired a rehearsal space in the attic above Pitcock Electric, which they converted into their own little recording studio nicknamed The Shop. After a brief trip across the border into the Ozarks, where they recorded in Van Buren, Arkansas, their first time in a real studio, they decided to head east towards Nashville, the nearest music town. On the way, they stopped at the first recording studio they passed after crossing the Mississippi, which just happened to be Sun Records in Memphis. Without knowing it, they'd landed smack dab in the middle of the birthplace of rock and roll. A referral from Jerry Phillips sent them down to Tupelo, Mississippi, where they recorded for some time with ex-Sun rockabilly artist Ray Harris, who'd founded the legendary High Records. Harris transformed them from a Beatles-influenced duo playing songs like Simon and Garfunkel into a funky, rockabilly-drenched band. By now, they were all just over 20 and decided they were ready to get a recording contract and start releasing records. They drove out to L.A., where within a week, via a tape heard by Denny Cordell at Shelter Records, ironically and coincidentally co-owned by fellow Tulson Leon Russell, they were signed to a recording contract. Over the Thanksgiving weekend in 1974 at the church, Shelter studio in Tulsa, the trio recorded a brand new tune written the week before in L.A., I'm on Fire, which soon raced up the charts, peaking at number 16, based simply on word of mouth and airplay. The band had yet to make a live public appearance. As Dwight put it recently, we were very naive, we simply didn't know it was supposed to be hard to get a record contract and have a hit record. But the bubble burst rather quickly. After this almost phenomenal success, the second single, Shark, was pulled from its intended release after being performed on bandstand, because some record company exec feared it would be considered a novelty song in the wake of that summer's smash hit movie, Jaws. Then a band's worst nightmare happened. The label went out of business. Although the band had stockpiled nearly 50 tracks since signing to Shelter, the album intended to capitalize on the hit single didn't follow for nearly 18 months, by which time all momentum was lost. That's when the dues-paying really started. Eventually they recorded and released the brilliant, critically acclaimed debut album Sincerely in 1976. To this day, it remains one of the classic American albums of the 70s. 1977's Twilly Don't Mind was also much loved, but the band failed to score that all-important follow-up hit single, and in early 1978, Phil Seymour left for a solo career, which peaked in 1981 with the big hit Precious to Me and an eponymous album that featured several unreleased Dwight Twilly compositions. Dwight Twilly's own solo career got off to a great start on Arista Records with the album Twilly in 1978. In 1979, he scored a small national hit with Somebody to Love. Disputes with the label left several versions of an unreleased album to have been called Blueprint, still unreleased. Eventually, he sat out his contract and was picked up by EMI America for what would be his most commercially successful period. In early 1982, Twilly released Scuba Divers, an album which contained some of the best Blueprint-era tracks, along with another minor hit via an improved version of Somebody to Love. And in 1984, Twilly finally returned to the top of the charts with his biggest hit to date, Girls, and the hit LP Jungle. Further hits followed with A Little Bit of Love and Why You Want to Break My Heart. But by 1986, EMI was in the process of heavy downsizing and dropped most of their rock acts, even many of those who were commercially successful. Twilly was one of the few not dropped, but was enticed to leave the label by a hot record promoter with a new label. After recording a new album, he was as shocked as the rest of America to find his new champion on the national news as a key figure in the infamous payola scandal that rocked the industry. Tully found himself shunted over to a small subsidiary label and forced to use an unwanted outside producer, the resulting album Wild Dogs was neither a hit nor loved particularly by the fans or by the artist, although it did contain some typically excellent material. By the end of the decade, after a string of sizable hits, heavy early MTV airplay and nearly a dozen national television appearances, Dwight Twilley found himself without a label. He made use of the time by working on demos and by writing a best-selling children's parenting book, Questions from Dad. He wasn't really absent from the music scene, however, as both Dwight Twilley Band albums were reissued, first on DCC Compact Classics, and then on The Right Stuff, in the 90s with bonus tracks. In 1992, Twilly was asked to give permission for one of his songs to be used in a movie based on a sketch from Saturday Night Live. Twilly said, I figured that meant it would be yet another awful movie that no one would go see, but it turned out to be the movie Wayne's World, and the ensuing soundtrack LP became an enormous bestseller. Also in 1992, many of the best unreleased Dwight Twilly Band numbers, along with five of the Blueprint tracks, were made available as the Great Lost Twilly album. In 1996, the Right Stuff issued a career best-of, handpicked by Dwight, titled XXI, to celebrate his 21 years as a recording artist. Picking some of the best of his recent material, Twilly recorded and shopped an album to be called The Luck, that was completed in January 1994.
0: But some people have.
2: By 1995, Twilly returned to live performances, headlining some large shows in Tulsa and playing a red-hot set at South by Southwest in Austin. With a new band and the return to the fold in 1998 of the long-absent Bill Pitcock IV, who had left after Wild Dogs, Twilly recorded and released Tulsa, his first album of new material in 13 years, in the summer of 1999. That brings us up to date with Dwight Twilley's career, and now this new album on Not Lame Recordings fills in some of the gaps with 16 fine tracks that should and could have come out at the time they were recorded. This CD includes the best material available directly from Dwight Twilley's personal archives. There are still some real gems that might be appended to future reissues of the four solo studio albums not available on CD. But they were not available here for contractual reasons. The tracks run the gamut from raucous, rough demos to polished studio mastery, and range in time from pre first album home demos to mid 90s studio outtakes. Included in this collection are six tracks from what The White calls the studio no tapes, recorded as demos for what became the Jungle album. These tracks were recorded at the peak of Dwight's success, and many rank among his best songs. Lullaby is particularly noteworthy, and both Black Eyes and Let Me Down would have been among the best songs on the album had they been included. So that's the write-up from the Between the Cracks CD. So they mentioned Dwight performing at South by Southwest in the 90s. And I actually saw him during South by Southwest, probably in 98. And it uh, it was in the parking lot of this place called the Dog and Duck Pub, where during South by Southwest, back then there were day parties and shows going on all day long, lots of free concerts and dog and duck pub would always have a free show or free shows over the weekend in their parking lot. And I saw some great stuff there. I saw Willie Nile there and I saw Matthew sweet with Susanna Hoffs. I saw a translator and this one year, uh, the guys from 2020 Steve Allen and Ron Flint and also Dwight Twilley who they all knew each other. They were all from Tulsa. They were there, and they played acoustic. And I, th- if I remember right, the guys from 2020 played with Dwight. They 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 all played solo, and they played some songs together. And it was just in a parking lot, just standing on the pavement, you know, right in front of them. That was the only time I saw Dwight live. I actually communicated with Dwight here and there on Facebook. I invited him on the podcast at one point, and he told me to go through his management And I'm not sure if I ever contacted his management or not, but I never ended up, you know, putting in enough effort, putting enough effort into getting Dwight on the show, which obviously is very regrettable. I also communicated with him about my book, my cheap trick book. Bunny Carlos had told me a story about how when the band, they were on tour with Kansas and. They went through Tulsa. This was at the exact same time that the Sex Pistols were on their tour of the South. And they actually tried to go to the Sex Pistols show, I think, in Dallas. They wanted to go to the show in Dallas, but they took the wrong way. They went the wrong way on the interstate, and they missed it. And it was this same within the same couple of days that they were in Tulsa and Rick Nielsen just opened up the phone book and called anybody whose name was Twilly and ended up calling Dwight Twilly's mom. And then he, she gave him Dwight's number and then they called Dwight and he invited them over and it, but Rick Nielsen didn't go for some reason. This is as bunny Carlos told it to me. And it ended up being just bunny and Tom Peterson who went to Dwight Twilly's place. And they actually recorded a demo with Dwight, uh, with Bunny on drums and Tom on bass. And I know Bunny said he has that recording, so maybe he'll put it up. He's been putting a lot of great tapes on YouTube, Bunny's Basement Bootlegs YouTube channel, and who knows, maybe he'll put that up as a tribute to Dwight. So I'll be watching for that. But yeah, so there's a story about Dwight in my book. Actually, when I asked Dwight about that, he didn't really seem to remember. He talked about Rick coming over to his place, but the story that Bunny told me, Rick didn't go, but maybe Rick went a different time. So yeah, I had, you know, communication with Dwight, and I did at one time pursue having him on the podcast, but like I said, it never happened. I'm also a huge fan of Phil Seymour, who was Dwight's partner in the Dwight Twilly band, and Phil died years ago unfortunately but that first self-titled phil seymour album is one of the best power pop albums there is in my opinion
1: hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price
2: So yeah let's hear some of Dwight Twilley's music here. I opened the show with a really cool live version I think from like 84 of Looking for the Magic which is an absolute undeniable classic of a song from Twilley Don't Mind from 77. Oh mercy. Alone in My Room from Dwight's first solo album, Twilly, which is a great album. Let's hear another song from that record called Nothing's Ever Gonna Change So Fast. Self original single version of somebody to love, which I think was going to be on that blueprint album that he was working on that never came out. And then it was later re-recorded for the scuba divers album. Let's hear another song from scuba divers called touching the wind.
0: A reason for everything. So the people are changing, and so are we in the prime of.
2: a killer song from the Jungle album. That's a live version from Atlanta from 1984. You can change it. I really love the first song on Jungle, the leadoff track. It's called The Little Bit of Love. That was "Secret Place" from the Wild Dogs album, from 1986. Let's hear another song from that album, a ballad called "Shooting Stars." The people i
0: have known, the ones who come. Those and the fools, the ones you never know. When did they ever? In the sheets Across the sky line goes Shooting stuff us, shooting stuff us your life shouldn't stop us the it has got
2: Was another song from Dwight's album, The Luck, which was recorded in 1994, but went unreleased at the time. And it's really good, like almost everything that Dwight Twilley recorded, as you can probably tell from the music that we have heard on this episode. He was a very, very talented songwriter and performer. And while he was highly respected in, you know, certain circles, he never really achieved the success or the notoriety that he deserved, but I think he made a career of it his whole life as a musician, as a songwriter, and you can't really argue with that. He was 72 years old when he died unexpectedly last week, and... He will be missed, but of course, he left behind this amazing catalog of music that clearly stands the test of time and will be listened to for many years to come.